eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello and welcome in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting analyst Cooper Pizzagna alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And we hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving, but the boys are back. The coaching carousel is heating up, if you've been following that. College football is at its best right now. The transfer portal right around the corner, December 4th. The transfer portal palooza, we'll talk about that in a minute. Drew, a lot going on in college football and for this episode, a loaded episode, we got Team of the Week, Freshman of the Week. We also got the uh, Blue Blood Report card. Excited to unveil that segment. And then also we'll talk Transaction Wire, what's going on, commitments, decommitments. And we'll talk a little bit about Deion Sanders in Colorado, really kind of leaking right now. But first, one little thing, Drew, let's talk about Mike Elko in Texas A&M. Signs a six-year, $7 million per year contract with A&M, the Duke head coach, 16-9 in his first two seasons at Duke, the former defensive coordinator of the Aggies, worked under Brian Kelly as well at Notre Dame. And Drew, I'm going to put this in a baseball sense, right? To me, I think the Aggies hit a double. They got on base, and they have the ability to steal an extra base here. This one kind of fires me up. You see the B-roll there of Mike Elko jumping off the plane at 2 a.m. There's no maroon carpet. There's no band to meet him. There's no boots, right? There's no double thumbs up, gig him, whatever. It's just Mike Elko, a guy from New Jersey who's ready to get down to brass tacks, and he talked about it. Let's not talk about it anymore. Let's be about it. Let's be about it. And the, and the reality is, for Texas A&M, the expectations are up here. And I love that for that fan base. But here's the reality. In the last 25 years, you won more than 10 games twice, right? And now you're in an SEC conference, especially in the West, that's got LSU, it's got Alabama, and in the East, you got to go through Georgia. Tennessee's playing better. We'll see what happens with Florida. Texas, Oklahoma, they're coming too. 2024, it's going to get a lot more difficult. And Mike Elko might not be the sexiest name out there, Drew, but at the end of the day, this guy to me raises the floor of the Texas A&M program, and the ceiling is yet to be determined. Five out of the six seasons under Jimbo Fisher, A&M recruited at a top 10 level. One of those years, they finished with the top-ranked recruiting class in college football history. I like this fit of Mike Elko, and for Ross Bjork, this to me – was the reasonable solution at the end of the day. We heard a lot about Mark Stoops, whether or not that was going to happen. I actually think those two are probably more similar than they are different. But as my dad always told me, 
Sometimes the best things in life that happen are the things that don't. Drew, I like this hire for A&M. I think this is uh, one that fits them. And I think that's probably something that a lot of Aggies fans have to grapple with. But I think it's the right guy at the right time. Yeah, and Mike Elko, he's been at Texas A&M before. He knows what works. He knows what doesn't work. He helped recruit that number one ranked class two cycles ago. And I think he uh, allows the Aggies to kind of keep some some of the pieces they want to keep in place in place, right? Elijah Robinson, the interim coach, the defensive line coach, elite recruiter. You would think Mike Elko is going to make him a priority, try to retain him. And then, you know, from his staff at Duke, Ish Iristed, Tyler Santucci, those are two on-field coaches that – previously worked in college station. So I think this just keeps things going. I'm interested to see Cooper, you know, what is his philosophy when it comes to actually recruiting and adding talent? Look at Duke. He was a guy where his class was in place well before uh, the end of the summer months. I mean, Duke, number 36 in the rankings for the 2024 cycle. That group was signed, sealed, and all but delivered uh, by the end of June. I, I'm interested to just see, you know, what is the plan? How does he attack it? Are they a team that's going to, you know, really prioritize the back end of the roster and still get involved in the transfer portal? You know, I think he's learned some things at Duke. I'm just excited to see how this thing plays out, you know, what the staff looks like, and then how they hit the ground running when it comes to talent acquisition. Listen to the press conference this morning and was really impressed. You know, there's nothing there that I think sound bites that fans could could get excited about. But this is a guy who talks about efficiency. He talks about process, right? He talks about doing the due diligence, talking about winning games in November and December is one and what you do when nobody else is looking. I like that from Mike Elko. I think he can give this team an identity, an identity that fits College Station and the fans of Texas A&M. Drew, the other thing about A&M, and I'll say this with Mike Elko, I think he seems to be aware of the fact that even though A&M, although very talented, this was a team that was probably more individualistic than they were a team. And I think this is a guy that really understands that. He talked about NIL and talked about the rising tide of everybody. Team unit me, you got to buy into that idea. And if you do that, all those other things, whether it's NIL deals, whether it's the ability to be developed and one day play in the NFL, that all comes with it. But you got to put Texas A&M first and you got to put your team first and your teammates first as well. I loved hearing that from Mike Elko. The other thing that's pretty interesting here, Drew, from a big picture standpoint, Ross Bjork talked about this. This contract was pretty interesting. You take a step back. I mentioned it six years, seven million a year. That kind of puts Mike Elko in the middle of the pack in the SEC. But a lot of incentives, Drew. You, you talk about winning the SEC championship. That's a million dollar plus incentive for Mike Elko. If the Aggies reach the playoffs, that's another million dollar plus, and then so on and so forth with more success that you would have in the December and January months. I thought that was interesting because we're going to a 12-team format next year in 2024 with the college football playoff and I think the Aggies for them that's the low-hanging fruit for Mike Elko a lot of people wonder all right what was really driving or motivating Jimbo Fisher if you don't have that internal flame to coach every single day and you got a hundred million dollar contract that's fully guaranteed then what is it at the end of the day that's going to get you out of bed that says all right I want to be the best. And for Mike Elko, sure, $7 million is a lot of money, but those incentive-based every year with a million dollars plus, Mike Elko can be one of the highest paid coaches in all of college football if he is going to reach the criteria that Texas A&M and Ross Bjork has put in front of him. So, Drew, I think that's pretty interesting. The other thing about this, we kind of talked about this two years ago when Billy Napier got around $7 million in support staff funding. 
Mike Elko gets $11 million, right? So they are giving him all the things that he needs to succeed. A coach like this who's only two years into his head coaching career, this will be year number three. I like it, Drew. He's 46 years old. He's youthful. I kind of compare him to Mark Stoops. This isn't another job that's going to really kind of take everything you got if you were a guy like Stoops who had been at Kentucky for 11 years. This is a guy who's year three, and the biggest thing that he's talked about is adaptability and ability to evolve year in and year out. Drew, like I said, it's not sexy. Winning is cool. I like everything that he said, and as a former personnel guy, it was music to my ears. I, I do think he's the right guy. The ceiling is yet to be, term, be determined, but I do think this is a guy that Ross Bjork, who, who signaled out earlier in the process that they landed on the eventual right target, and I think at the end of the day, I think this is going to be a guy that's going to have a long and very successful career in College Station. I agree. So much for one little thing. That was one big thing, Cooper. <laughs> that was one big <laughs> you thing. You unloaded the clip. I know. I know. I love Mike Elko. And you know what? Two weeks ago on this exact show, we talked about why Mike Elko would be the best fit for the job. That ends up happening a couple weeks later. And uh, just a reminder, you are watching the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. You can find Andrew and I every Tuesday and Wednesday at 5 o'clock Eastern Time, 4 o'clock Central. Also, you can find us wherever you find your podcasts as well. All right, Drew. Now getting back to what we do. Team of the week, Drew, I'm going to start with you. And I believe it's uh, a team down there in Tallahassee that you like. Yeah, Florida State, man, they are my team of the week. Look, Mike Norvell gets so much talk and praise for what he has done in the transfer portal. But if you watch that game on Saturday night in the swamp, hostile environment, I was boots on the ground. I was just impressed with Florida State, not only rallying from being 12 points down in, in the second half, but Patrick Payton, ACC Rookie of the Year last year. He has two sacks. FSU with four total sacks there uh, in the fourth quarter. Florida didn't even have a, a positive play from scrimmage. I thought Patrick Payton was awesome. And again, we always talk about the transfer portal, what Mike Norvell has done, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, you know, Jordan Travis. But here's an example of a guy they went down into Miami-Dade County and found, a guy that they have developed. And for me, I just think Florida State right now is clicking on all cylinders. That recruiting section was loaded with talent. You know, Florida welcomed a number of high-profile recruits from around the South. Uh, and those kids got to see Mike Norvell and the Seminoles win with a backup quarterback. Obviously, they preserve a perfect season. They get the ACC championship this upcoming weekend against Louisville, and we'll see what happens with the college football playoff. But thought it was an impressive performance for Florida State. Could have been really easy um, to spoil that season and, and, and back down when things weren't going their way early on. And then, hey, how about Trey Benson, Cooper? 95 yards, three touchdowns. Is there a more – I think the term I've settled on is – uh, second chance runner, you know, he runs into traffic and then he just bounces out of it and, and it can take off and pick up big chunk plays. It was fun to watch him. So uh, tip of the cap to Mike Norvell and the Seminoles. I thought it was an impressive performance. And again, Patrick Payton, Shaheen Brown in the secondary, just those guys getting going. Uh, and I think Florida State's going to use that on the recruiting trail. Hey, we don't just need transfers. We can come here and develop you as well. We'll see what happens tonight with the college football playoff committee. They'll, they'll have some tough decisions to make. I think the thing working in Florida State's favor is obviously the fact that 
Oregon and Washington, they will face each other again in the Pac-12 championship on Friday. What a way to go out. But a uh, gutsy win, and that's what they've been doing all season for Florida State. Tate Rotemaker coming in in light of Jordan Travis' injury. Drew, I'm going to go with Tulane, and I love Willie Fritz. You know I love Willie Fritz and what they're doing down there in New Orleans. How about Willie Fritz? He's been 23-3 and in his last 26 games in uptown New Orleans. And the Green Wave, they defeat Jeff Trailer, Texas San Antonio, 29-16. Tulane goes to 11-1 on the season, 8-0 in the AAC. They will face off against SMU and Rhett Lashley in the AAC championship at three o'clock this weekend on ABC. Drew, Makai Hughes, a guy that we're going to talk about out of Birmingham, Alabama, the true freshman, 26 carries, 166 yards. It amazes me, even though we're still pretty much early on in the coaching carousel right now, Willie Fritz's name, it's starting to come up more and more, and I think it's only a matter of time before one of these jobs he kind of jumps on or somebody smart enough to figure it out. Obviously, he coached at Sam Houston State earlier on in his career. Houston now available with Dana Holgerson out. Drew, it surprises me. I think he's one of the best coaches in all of college football. Tulane is not an easy place to win. I think he's made it look easy in the last two years, but I love this dude and am very appreciative of him. We'll see what happens with Michael Pratt. Been some rumors out there, whether he's going to the NFL, whether he's hitting the portal, or whether he's staying in New Orleans. All right, Drew, freshman of the week. You're going to Iowa State. Who you got? Abu Sama. And we were talking before we started this podcast, you know, Gabe Brooks, our guy in, in, in Texas, I remember late last cycle, he was pushing for Abu Sama to get a fourth star. Ended up finishing as the number 24 ranked running back for us in the class of 2023. You see the snow right here. I mean, this is an epic game, epic performance. He was 24-7 sports, true freshman of the week. He was the Big 12 offensive player of the week, the Big 12 newcomer of the week. 276 rushing yards, three touchdowns. Those runs were of 77, 71, and 60 yards. He was the difference for Iowa State as they upset Kansas State 42-35. Cooper, you dig into Abu Sama. What are the indicators? How do we know he was going to have success? State champ in Iowa as a junior in the long jump. In the state title game as a senior, ran for 372 yards and six touchdowns. The guy blocking for him up front, that would be Caden Proctor, uh, the Alabama offensive tackle, our number one offensive tackle in the 2023 cycle. Uh, not surprised. We always say it, running backs, it's easy to play as a freshman, but no one has had a performance like Abu Sama in those frigid conditions. Big fan of the man, and I think he is going to be a guy the Cyclones lean on heavily in years to come. Big win for Iowa State. you got to love ball, man. Snow all over the field. Iowa State getting down and dirty. Big win over the Wildcats there. Drew, I think Matt Campbell knows a thing or two about running backs. Brees Hall, David Montgomery getting it done. Abu Sama, big game for him. Drew, how about this? A familiar name for me, NC State receiver. We've been talking about this guy all of the college football season, even before the first week of the season. Wide receiver Kevin Concepcion from NC State. Big week for him again, seven receptions, 131 yards, two touchdowns, and a big win for NC State over North Carolina. They defeat the Tar Heels 39-20. Concepcion on the season, 64 receptions, 767 yards, 10 tuds on the season. He has been huge for Dave Doran, wide receivers coach Joker Phillips as well. So a lot of love for the freshman of the week, Abu Sama and Kevin Concepcion. Our teams of the week, Florida State, Tulane, congratulations to those two. Drew, a couple honorable mentions, Georgia Tech, another familiar name, wide receiver Eric Singleton. He had a good game against Georgia and a 31-23 loss. Brent Key kind of getting those guys going. Makai Hughes, I mentioned. C.J. Allen, another name we talked about. 
about Khalil Barnes as well? ACC Defensive Back of the Week, credited with four tackles and two pass breakups. Also had a 42-yard fumble return. Mateo U getting on the board as well. So there's some other names. Nico Imalieva. Arch Manning with his first snaps of his career, two for five. 30 yards passing, Drew. I don't even know if you watched that. It was like 50 to 7 at that point. They put him in at the end of the third. And I don't think anybody left the stadium there in Texas. They're fired up about him. We'll see what happens with that quarterback room down there in Texas. Guys, just a reminder, uh, the college football recruiting show, that comes on every Monday and Thursday. Emily Proud, Blair, and Gulo bringing you a great product here at 24-7 Sports, 5 o'clock Eastern time. Catch us Tuesday and Wednesday, Proud and Angulo, Monday and Thursday. Can't beat it there. All right, Drew, the Blue Blood Report Card. Tongue twister for me. That's the second time that I've messed that up on this show. A little patag flag there. We're going to break this down. These are coaches ending their second year of their tenure, going into year three. And I thought this was interesting because this was a uh, – there were no lack of big names, right, in that coaching cycle just two years ago. Drew, our grades for these guys, we're going to talk about four of them. You and I are going to break them down, but here's the criteria before we get into the grades a little bit. Grades are based on on on-field performance, recruiting, player development, and the transfer portal. All right, so all that is baked into this cake. Before we start yelling about some guys who got better records than the other ones, Drew, this is kind of state of the program and then also kind of looking forward as well three to four years into our uh, microscope and kind of seeing what that looks like as well. So, Drew, let's start at the top. USC and Lincoln Riley, 18-8 and in his first two seasons, 11-3 and in 2022, 7-5 in 2023. They had the number eight recruiting class in 2023, number 18 in 2024. I'm going to hit on this kind of throughout the show and especially in this segment. The thing that I kind of really look for, especially with these coaches going into year three, such a critical year, is it an uptick or a downtick? In terms of recruiting, what does that look like? And you look at USC, they come out hot, finishing the top 10 in the first year under Lincoln Riley. Year two, they're number 18, right? The other part about this is they have 21 players in the state of California in the top 247. Guess how, how many are committed to USC? Three of them. Oregon has four. Alabama has three. You talk about the state of recruiting in California, and what does that look like? I think that leaves a lot to be desired. Alex Grinch is gone after two seasons at the helm. Lincoln Riley brought him over from Oklahoma. This is one of the worst defenses in all of college football. Drew, it's hard to get excited about USC when you have the Heisman Trophy winner going into year two. There should be momentum behind your program, and you finish seven and five. I gave them a C+. You gave them a C. I think I'm rather generous. I think I am excited about what they've done at the skill position on the offensive side of the ball. Five-star Malachi Nelson is a guy that we like, but I wouldn't be surprised if they get into the portal this year. So we'll see what happens. My biggest thing with USC is such a lack of an identity at the line of scrimmage. It frustrates me. And then to not address that in your own state that is one of the most talent-rich states in all of the country is a little bit of a head-scratcher for me. And I talked about this a few weeks ago on the show when we talked about, all right, how does Lincoln Riley's program stack up against the likes of Oregon and Dan Lanning, who both are on their way to the Big Ten? Drew, they got beat up by, albeit, a more competitive Pac-12 conference than we have seen in a long time this year, 7-5. and five. If they're 7-5 and five in 2023, I have some major concerns about what they're going to look like in 2024. And I hate to say this, but this is a yin and yang type of hire. This defensive coordinator, 
his only job, his job's not only going to be to identify, acquire talent, player development, but I feel like you got to get a guy that's so much opposite of Lincoln Riley and what he wants USC to be, which let's just call it what it is. USC's a seven-on-seven team with no point of attack capability whatsoever right now. They got to change their identity going into the Big Ten or it's going to be a rough outlook for the next couple of years. They're capable of doing it. Will they get it done? I don't know. I expect Lincoln Riley to be the young, cool, hip coach that can look in the mirror and evolve and adapt on the fly and say, hey, that's wrong. We can fix that going into next year. He has not done it. He's looked like one of those old, stubborn dudes that's just been the same guy and then says, you know what? We're going to do it my way. So USC, right, for me, Drew, I give him a C plus. That's probably uh, a little better grade than what I just sounded like by explaining it, but that's kind of where I stand on him. Well, I give him a C as well, and I think that's really because of the offensive personnel that they've brought in. But you hit on a variety of different things. I mean, how are they getting better in the trenches on both sides of the ball, and more specifically so on defense? I think you can only add so much via the transfer portal. And then, Coop, I know you hear the rumors out there of guys that are potentially entering or or are going to enter and the the tampering that's going on. I have yet to hear a premium pass rusher linked to USC. I I hear them linked to some of the other schools that they consistently compete for uh, recruits with. You you mentioned how many guys in the top 247 from the state of California they have committed. I think the more alarming stat is none of the top five guys from the state are headed to USC. You have Aiden Breland headed to uh, Oregon. Uh, You have Zabian Brown headed to Alabama, the cornerback. Julian Sayan, the quarterback, headed to Tuscaloosa as well. I just wonder how are they going to get better in the trenches, you know, sitting 18 in the class. We love Jason Zamandella, uh, one of our top-ranked interior offensive linemen. We like Cameron Fountain, the pass rusher out of the, out of the Atlanta area. But those guys aren't year one, year two contributors. So for me, I'm not worried about the offensive perimeter talent. I'm not worried about the quarterback position. But I have major questions as they prepare for life in the Big Ten where you're going to be facing these teams in, in some cold weather um, that want to run the football. So that's why I have a C. We'll see what happens with the uh, defensive coordinator hire, and then we're going to see what they're going to do in the transfer portal. But I think from a high school recruiting class standpoint, you look at this group and it's a bit underwhelming for what US should be, USC should be doing, especially in the NIL era. Big offseason for Lincoln Riley ahead. Like you said, the transfer portal is on Monday, December 4th, and USC still doesn't have a defensive coordinator yet. I would hope that that decision would be done this week. We'll see what happens there. Lincoln Riley going into year three, 18-8. and eight. It's not the record, but it's almost how you got there, right? 11 wins in the first season, seven wins with Caleb Williams in the second. Leaves a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth. All right, let's, let's go to the next one. Marcus Freeman drew at Notre Dame, also 18-8, and 9-4 and in his first season in 2022. 9-3 and three with the chance to get to 10 wins in 2023. The 2023 ranked recruiting class, number 12 for the Irish, number 8 in 2024, right? So we talked about that uptick a little bit. It might be incremental, but believe it or not, Drew, 12-8, to eight, that's a big jump, right? And I think we talked about that. Marcus Freeman last year, they had some big misses, right? They were in it for guys like Dante Moore. You kind of go down the list as well. Keon Keeley, another name, and a handful more. Peyton Bowen that Marcus Freeman swung and missed on. Drew, I'm fine with that. As long as you're in the batter's box taking hacks and putting everything you got going forward, 
I'm okay with that. And I think Marcus Freeman has done that. I think they've gotten incrementally better year over year. I think there are a lot of high expectations, college football playoff aspirations going into 2023 on the field. Drew, I really like the job that Marcus Freeman has done on the recruiting trail. I think he is getting the most out of Notre Dame there. And I think this is a team and a program that can compete sustainably for top 10 classes under Marcus Freeman. Drew, the other thing that I like is what they've done at the quarterback position. I think Marcus Freeman, you got to give a lot of credit to, right? Kenny Minchie last year, they flip him late from Pittsburgh, guy that we like in the top 247 out of, out of Tennessee. You get C.J. Carr in 2024, a signal caller we're really excited about. You bring Sam Hartman over from Wake Forest as a grad transfer, and now there are those rumors out there, Riley Leonard might be suiting up for the Golden Domers, right, coming over from Duke. So he's been aggressive. Maybe there's some things that they need to tweak, but I like what they've done on, under Al Golden defensively as well. This is a team that is now in, in a roster that is starting to kind of fit the identity and personality of their head coach. So there have been some hiccups along the way. I think I will call them growing pains. The loss against Marshall last year, I think a disappointing loss against a down Clemson team this year, even though they're playing well as of late. Drew, I gave Marcus Freeman a B plus, and I think the future is really bright for Notre Dame under his guidance. Yeah, I gave them a B plus as well. And I know that graphic showed the the past few recruiting classes. Also in the 2025 cycle, they're sitting number five right now. And Notre Dame normally starts off hot uh, but talking with Tom Loy, who does an excellent job of covering the Irish, he thinks they're going to pick up a big commitment later this week, so they're going to be even higher. Cooper, you hit it right on the head. I had written down quarterback, and that's why I gave Marcus Freeman a B plus. They have figured that position out, and it is a super important position. On top of that, I think they are doing a good job of locking up guys that they need to lock up. Look at this 2024 recruiting class. Bryce Young, pass rusher out of North Carolina, just moved into the top 100 for us, All-American Bowl uh, invitee. We're going to see him out in San Antonio. I mean, his dad is in the NFL Hall of Fame. That is a Notre Dame kid. You have to get that across the finish line. Uh, they do just that. Kingston Viamu Asa, yeah, another guy from California. You're kind of wondering, hey, why is the USC not involved here? Well, Notre Dame takes advantage, and I think he fits the culture, what they want to do in South Bend. Other guys I like in that class, Keendron Young, the running back, our number three running back right now in the 2024 cycle. Uh, we've seen what Audric Estime has been able to do there this season in the gold pants and the gold helmet. I think Keendron Young is a guy that is similar in a lot of different ways. I mean, he's a big, powerful runner that's creative at the second level. They're adding Cam Williams, a wide receiver out of the Chicagoland area. I get excited about him and what he could be. So I, I like what Marcus Freeman and the Irish have done. I, I think you're you're excellent. We'll see if they can get a key on Keeley in the boat, but I think just realizing what they are um, and winning some of these big battles early in the process is starting to pay off. And then putting a bow on this, I mean, the quarterback position, you, you didn't even mention Deuce Knight in the 2025 cycle. He is an absolute wild card. So love the future outlook of that room as well. They've upgraded the speed and athleticism profile of that team since Marcus Freeman has been there. I think that's the one difference between him and Brian Kelly and what he's done. It's been incremental, but I think he is trending in the right direction. So Notre Dame gets a B-plus from both Andrew and I for Marcus Freeman going into year three. I think you got to be excited about the future of Notre Dame football. All right, Drew, Billy Napier, the Florida Gators, right, 11-14. and 14. The two other guys we talked about, 18-8. and eight. 
this one, the other side of the spectrum, Florida, it's been a rocky road, six and seven in their first year under Billy Napier, five and seven this year. They will miss out on a postseason bowl bid, number 13 in 2023 in terms of recruiting, number five in 2024. And right now, that seems to be the goodwill that is really kind of pushing Billy Napier forward. Drew, for me, I gave Florida and Billy Napier a C. I think you and I both agree that we are huge fans in what Billy Napier has done off the field in terms of talent ID, talent identification, evaluation, building that team, upgrading that roster. I think he's done a really good job. But in terms of the on-field results, that's left a lot to be desired. And I, I look at a team in Florida that has so much potential in what they can be. And then you find out, I think it was this morning or maybe yesterday, Corey Raymond, defensive back coach, who's done a terrific job, I'll, I'll say it, bringing in talent at Florida since he's been there and a couple young guys playing early for him already. Jordan Castell is a name that we've talked about. Corey Raymond, he's out. Defensive line coach, also out. So Florida in the midst of some major moves. We'll see what happens. Austin Armstrong, young defense coordinator, going into year two. This is it for Billy Napier, Drew. And you know what? I, like I said, you can do all the right things off the field, but if you can't get these guys developed and up to a competitive standpoint where I think games like Florida State were winnable, I think there are other games this season that were winnable for Florida that they didn't come out with the result or the desired result that they have. I don't know, Drew. I feel really good about CEO Billy Napier and, and, and his vision for the program off the field. In terms of the execution on the field, I have serious doubts if this is the guy that can get the job done because what I've seen so far has not been the case, and there really hasn't been anything there that makes me feel confident going forward. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com i think the big question for me with florida is what are they going to do in the transfer portal uh starting next week right graham mertz was obviously a, a a hit for napier i think he exceeded expectations for pretty much everyone outside of the individuals inside that locker room. But you look at the rest of the transfers they took and that class of 2023, I mean, it's not a bunch of guys that made a huge impact. And uh, Billy Napier has been trying to build this the right way from the ground up. I mean, it is a complete rebuild. Uh, you talk about that 2023 recruiting class, Cooper, on Saturday night, I looked up. Florida, in the fourth quarter, had four freshman defensive backs on the field trying to guard Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson. And I know Florida State was playing a backup quarterback, but still, I mean, the youth movement is here. So my question is, how does Florida attack this? Do they go for some of these huge free agents that are on the market, or do they continue to lean into the youth and developing through the high school ranks? We know 
what Florida has committed in 2024. We like this class a lot. Um, so I'm just fascinated to see, you know, are the boosters going to pressure them into maybe getting aggressive and chasing after some of these other guys, or is Billy Napier going to maintain his process? And I, I'm really interested to see how that plays out. For me, I gave Billy uh, a B minus, and I know on the field it hasn't looked pretty, but I do like what they're doing on the recruiting front. I think he also needs some recognition for finding a quarterback of the future in DJ Lagway, right? Number three quarterback for us right now. We'll see what happens coming out of these all-star games. I think there's a chance, you know, he could finish number two, maybe even number one overall DJ Lagway. He is the X factor having a heck of a senior season there. And then we saw a little bit of Max Brown on Saturday night against the Seminoles. I'm still kind of buying some stock in him. I know he threw a late interception, but I think there's something there. So I like what they're doing in the high school recruiting Transfer portal on field. That's why I've knocked this down a little bit, but I do think it's notable DJ Lagway and how they've kind of rebuilt that defensive line as well. Critical year for Billy Napier going into year three. Drew, this kind of feels like the leash is super tight here in Gainesville. And if it gets off to a rough start next year, I wouldn't be surprised if something happens earlier in the season, mid-season. We'll see a lot of expectations in Gainesville and Florida, rightfully so. All right, Drew, the last one here, Brent Venables, Oklahoma. Both you and I give Mr. Venables an A. After a 6-7 and seven season in 2022, the Sooners 10-2 and two in 2023. Drew, they have to be the least talked about team on the recruiting trail that I think you and I, I don't want to say like really like I'll, I'll use the l word i kind of love what they're doing especially at the point of attack and on the defensive side of the ball i love the fact that they were able to rattle off 10 wins this year potentially get to 11 drew number five in 2023 number seven in 2024 i talked about that uptick but i think five to seven you're in the same neighborhood there there's a little bit of a difference right but i love what oklahoma has done on the recruiting trail that gets me really fired up Biggest question mark going forward. You just lost your offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy, to Mississippi State. He'll be the head coach there for the Bulldogs. We'll see what Brent Venables does and replaces him. But I think, Drew, if you were an Oklahoma fan when you hired Brent Venables and you were wondering coming off a 6-7 and seven season, all right, like what does this look like for us? This was the ideal scenario, right? Outside of losing Jeff Levy, you had the year that you had with Dylan Gabriel, Jackson Arnold still able to get a lot of run. And then you have your quarterback of the future uh, beyond this year going into 2024. You feel really good about that. And I think the defensive uptick, at least from a talent acquisition standpoint, gets me really excited. Well, this is a team that I don't think will have any trouble acclimating to the SEC in 2024. Yeah, I would agree with that. I gave them an A, and it's really because you go back to the 2023 cycle and you look at the headliners of that class. These guys are the core of the team moving forward. P.J. Adebore, Jackson Arnold, Peyton Bowen. Uh, Caden Green played 568 snaps as a true freshman during the regular season. Bowen was 302. Adebore, 176. Like, that is the core group for Oklahoma moving forward. You got their feet wet as freshmen. Those guys are going to be the ones with the impact stars under them moving forward. And then you look at this year's group. David Stone seems like he could be a day one guy. We're talking about the five-star defensive lineman at IMG Academy. His teammate, Jaden Jackson, I feel like he's a program guy. And then I think where Oklahoma doesn't get enough credit is how they've recruited on that offensive line. Malik Autry, someone they have uh, committed this year, Hopefully going to sign him, a kid out of Mississippi. Uh, they also got Eugene Brooks out of California. You know, the PAI score for tracking football, it's off the charts. So I really like this group. I think they have 
the right identity, and they're going to be just as involved as everyone else in the transfer portal, but so far, so good. I think the one long-term outlook kind of question is, all right, what's the plan at quarterback post-Jackson Arnold? Uh, If you kind of look at what they have committed now, not only in the 2024 cycle, but also that 2025 cycle, it's still early. You mentioned Jeff Levy leaving, but so far, so good, I think, for Brent Venables. What a rebound year. Got some time to figure that out. All right, Drew, we got eight or nine other names. And as the graphic comes up, Brian Kelly, Dan Lanning, Mario Cristobal, and the list kind of goes on. Also, Drew, I think we'll post those on Twitter so fans can react to that as well. I think those uh, context is important on those. And, and Drew, you and I went through this list together. Is there any name there that maybe stuck out to you that say, hey, this was kind of a little bit more difficult to uh, assign a grade than I thought? How about Mario Cristobal? I think you gave him a... A C. I had him as a as a B plus. You know, I think Mario was brought to Miami to elevate the talent there, and I think he has done just that. Now the question is, what is their plan at quarterback? Tyler Van Dyke's out. Emory Williams, who we saw as a true freshman, beat Clemson. Uh, almost took down Florida State on the road before he got injured. You know, he's going to be there, but Jacuri Brown, he can very well enter the transfer portal. So I think that's my question with Mario. And then the, obviously the on-field results. I mean, they're probably a better team than 7-5, and five, which is what the record indicates. Uh, so he was a difficult one. I, I think recruiting-wise and, and what they've done in the transfer portal, it's an A. Maybe the on-field stuff, a little bit different. So that's why I went, I think, what, B- minus for them. I think you had them as a C plus. Yeah, I had it as a C plus. I like what they've done recruiting wise. I think that's what you expect with Mario Cristobal. The Georgia Tech game might have dropped him a letter just alone, right? That can't happen. Yeah. On, on top of that, Josh Gaddis, Kevin Steele, two new coordinators in year two. To his credit, I think he got that right with Lance Gidry and Shannon Dawson. I'm hard on Mario, man. I should be. I work for the guy. He's He knows what he's doing. He'll figure it out. All right, just a reminder. Yeah, go ahead, Drew. Uh, no, you're good. I was going to say Caitlin DeBoer. We, we were kind of split on that one as well. What did we go with DeBoer there? I had an A. You had a B plus. Yeah, I was I was more kind of questioning uh, the recruiting efforts. Obviously, on field has been excellent, but I don't think they've capitalized just yet <laughs> on, on what they've been able to do. That's another show within itself, so we can explain ourselves there. All right, guys, the graphic you see on the screen, December 4th. That is Monday next week, and um, it has been busy already, that transfer portal palooza here at 24-7 Sports, we will have everything you need to know. Matt Zenitz, Chris Hummer, and the rest of the crew right here in Nashville, breaking it all down for you coast-to-coast all-day coverage right here on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Make sure you lock that in to your calendar. going to be a very, very exciting day. Drew, transaction wire. Let's get into it. Commitments, decommitments, and where to start. Let's start with Colorado. How about Colorado? They lose a pair of quarterback commitments, one in 2024, one in 2025. Danny O'Neill from Indiana, he decommits. He's the number 34 quarterback in the country. And in 2025, top 247 quarterback, a guy that we really liked. I think on this show, Drew, you were pumping him up a few weeks ago. Antoine Hill from the state of Georgia, he decommits. And unfortunately, if you're a Colorado fan, it does not stop there. Winston Watkins, number 24 receiver receiver in 2025 he's out Jay Maurice Wilder number 58 running back in 2025 he's also decommitted Drew I think there's a couple portal entries in Boulder as well and maybe one or two guys that I'm missing uh, that recently decommitted on the positive side 
The Buffs did beat out Georgia for Cam Michael, one of our favorite athletes in the country, top 247 athlete, number four athlete on Thanksgiving. Right now, Deion Sanders in Colorado, they have the number 65 class in the country. They were set to bring in top 247 receiver Michigan State commit Nick Marsh. That will no longer happen as of this morning. King Joseph Edwards, number 20 edge in the country. He is still planning on making a visit to Boulder. So, Drew, that was a mouthful, but just what do you, uh, what's your takeaway on Prime right now in Colorado and their recruiting efforts, especially on the high school side? I mean, what the heck is going on, right? <laughs> That's what it And I think like. the, the, yeah. the DPP tweeted out late Monday, this is all part of the process, you know, a bunch of different hashtags in there. No, when Antoine Hill committed, what was that, two months ago, I came on here and I said that I think this is the most important high school acquisition to date for prime and Antoine Hill even came out and said he was considering reclassifying sitting a year behind Shadur Sanders and then thrusting himself into the quarterback competition come 2025. Well, now he's no longer going to go to Colorado. I don't blame him. I mean, what is the offensive coordinator situation there? I saw Byron left, which was tossed out there as a potential OC candidate for prime there and Boulder. That'd be an interesting one. Uh, I just, fascinated like i said fascinated to see what florida does in the transfer portal like what is this class going to look like for uh deon sanders and he was asked about it our, our colorado site buff stampede they had a great article up late monday just kind of outlining all right this is what the next few le- weeks are going to look like i would expect them to be transfer portal heavy and i love the addition of, of cam michael but he's kind of the last thing i think colorado needs they don't need another two-way wide receiver corner they need some some beef in the trenches um and so far no no names expected to visit this week and i think they're waiting for december 4th to really start making some noise yeah i think reality has kind of uh, started to seep in and in boulder a little bit a four and eight season you know not every the first five weeks it seems like every game was on on big noon kickoff right there on, on fox sports and it's just kind of like all right now it's reality. You go from one win to four wins, right, in 2023. That's still an improvement. But what does this team look like holistically? There are a lot of questions that need to be answered, Drew. I think the other thing that hurts Colorado in the recruiting efforts, Sean Lewis, you hired him as a head coach over from Kent State. You get him to leave his current head coach post to come over to Boulder, and then you demote him in the middle of the season. I also think that's going to be very difficult for you to backfill that position, whether it's Pat Shermer or not, to see who's your offensive coordinator going into the future. High school recruiting outside of Cam Michael has really left a lot to be desired. You talked about the trenches. What is it, one commit right now? And that's Isaiah Walker, a guy that's been a a bounce back of multiple programs in college football. So I'm not knocking it, um, but in terms of Drew from the outside looking in, and, and we're not on the inside, it just seems like this seems like a place that is still trying to figure it out and a place to me that is figuring it out on the go, right? Like what was the vision going into 2024? What's the plan? And are we just going to be able to pick whatever Louie we want out of the transfer portal? Well, it's not the world that we live in anymore, especially when you're four and eight. Not everybody wants to come and play for you. So we'll see what happens with Colorado. Interesting offseason for them uh, going forward. All right, Drew, before we got to get you out of here, a couple of other, uh, of other transactions. USC, they pick up a Thanksgiving commitment as well. Maybe that's starting to become a thing. Desmond Stevens, number 32 linebacker in the country, previously committed to Boston College out of the state of Michigan. Drew, a three-phase player, a guy that does a lot, especially at the running back position, going to play linebacker in the next level. 
the more you dig in in this dude a little bit, 6'2", 3 quarters, 223 pounds. He's got a 6'7 wing, popped a 4'8". He's got a 4'3'9 shuttle. He also 10 foot in the broad, Drew. Like, you, you know, I've been hating on USC. Um, <laughs> and ironically, uh, Alex Grinch not there anymore. And then you turn on the tape of this dude and you're like, where has this guy been? I, I like this pickup for the Trojans, Drew. Well, I was waiting to tell you this. What if I uh, throw out there that Desmond Stevens could actually be a class of 2025 prospect? He's only 17, turned 17 uh, on July 25th. So he's young for his grade. I absolutely agree. I know we just kind of, you know, talked negatively about the Trojans, but I like this pickup for them in the state of Michigan, right? USC moving to the Big Ten. Uh, you want to talk about the conference footprint allowing you to go uh, up into the Great Lakes and get a linebacker. I think this guy can be an overhang backer. I think he could potentially be a three-down linebacker. You mentioned he's just kind of a, a football player. As a senior, over 900 yards of offense, 75 tackles, also returned a punt return for – or had a punt return for a touchdown. So that was a, a mouthful. And I, I like the pairing of him and Elijah Newby, who they got out of Connecticut, a top two, four, seven linebacker for us. So – Yes, we just put down USC and, and what they've done on the defensive side of the ball. But I do think these two linebacker prospects, Stevens and Elijah Newby, um, they're guys that can defend the pass, can defend the run. And I think they're high upside players. So I like this pickup as well. All right, let's go to Ohio State. Stay in the Big Ten. Gabe Van Sickle, the number 22 interior offensive lineman in the country. He flips from Northwestern to Ohio State on Friday. And you might just think, oh, that's kind of Ohio State with the low-hanging fruit. Drew, you turn on the tape here. We have this guy rated as a 89 overall high three-star grade. Drew, I like this guy. Another guy that plays tackle, going to move inside at the next level. Got the track and field background. Strong hands at the point of attack. Better athlete than I think a lot of people realize. This is a really nice pickup for Ohio State. They already have Ian Moore and the Armstrong brothers from Ohio committed. This guy kind of gets me excited, Drew. Yeah, I think interior guy all the way, Cooper. I don't know if you thought possibly potentially a center on Saturdays for Ohio State. It is a big pickup, and you mentioned him being a better athlete than he gets credit for. He's got like a 51-foot shot on the ledger, and – Ohio State, I think the name of the game, especially in this transfer portal era, we're seeing this all play out right now, is you got a volume shoot up front on the offensive line. Last year, Ohio State had to go get San Diego State transfer Josh Simmons to come and kind of plug and play him in as a starter. And that proved to be a weakness as the season progressed a little bit for the Buckeyes. So like this pickup, I mean, Northwestern, I think, was kind of getting a steal there. Uh, and, I, you know, I this is what I would do if I was running a recruiting department, man. I'd be trying to take five, six offensive linemen that check some boxes every year. I think this one makes a ton of sense for Ohio State, right? Not going to get a ton of people excited over the holiday weekend, but you can look up two, three years from now, and he could be starting in the big game. Uh, opportunistic as we kind of move into December, right? You look at Northwestern and everything that has gone on there, and granted, done a great job coach Braun over there in in Chicago but Ohio State opportunistic still needs to fill a spot on the offensive line they get that done with Gabe Van Sickle Illinois Brett Bielema Drew how about this they land a pledge from Andrew Dennis the number five interior offensive lineman in the country on Monday top 247 as well all-American Bowl selection he was planning to announce in January at the game that doesn't happen he pops for the Illini Former Michigan State commit was also being courted by Clemson, Penn State. You throw that into the fray a little bit, Drew. 
Illinois, not known for their recruiting shops. They're number 48 in the country in terms of their uh, composite team rankings at 24-7 sports. This is a big one for them. I love this pickup by uh, Brett Bielema. Yeah, he might not be known for his highly ranked recruiting classes, but he's known for his offensive line play, Brett, there at Illinois. I love this pickup, Andrew Dennis. And you turn on the tape, I think, you know, there's a few questions out there, but Dennis is a guy that has the size. He's a nasty finisher. And then you start looking him up, right, digging into the profile. He's only been playing football for two or three years now. Andrew Dennis was born in Kazakhstan, adopted, moved to America Played hockey all throughout his youth. Big defense man. And, uh, you know, would be on the power play, knocking in shots there, parked in front of the net. Found football as a freshman. um, And he has really excelled. And I'm excited to see him in San Antonio at that All-American Bowl. I think this is a a monster pickup for Illinois. And I think it says a lot that they were able to fend off schools like Clemson was involved, right? Who knows what's going to happen with the new Michigan State staff there. So this is a, a, a big pickup, I think, for Brett and the Illini. Beautiful Kazakhstan. How about that, Drew? You were the uh, international aficionado. Just always dropping knowledge on us from across the pond. Love that. All right, Drew, the last one. How about this? Looks like a uh, front runner has emerged for the job at Syracuse. Not Dan Mullen. Not anybody else. Who is it? Fran Brown, the defensive back coach at the University of Georgia, New Jersey native, 41 years old. He played at Western Carolina. He also worked at Temple from 2011 to 2017. Baylor and then Rutgers after that. Primary recruiter on some names you might know. Ellis Robinson, Justin Williams, DeMello Jones, Andre Evans, and Nair Daniels. Drew, your takeaway on Fran Brown potentially being the head coach at Syracuse. Well, I texted you. I was like, what? In all caps, as soon as this came across the ticker. Uh, initial reaction is, wow, okay. But I get it. Fran Brown can recruit. And he has ties to that area. Worked at Temple. Worked for Matt Rule there at Baylor. You look at some of those NFL draft picks that uh, Baylor had. You know, Fran Brown was the primary recruiter on them. And what he has been able to do since he arrived in Athens, I mean, he has had the Bulldogs in it with pretty much every high-profile defensive back. And and Georgia should be in that position, but you still got to close the deal. Uh, I think it's been impressive. Interested to see if this one happens. You know, By the time you're listening to this podcast or watching the show, he might have already been hired. Cooper, my question for you, is this a blow for Georgia on the recruiting trail or just big picture? I mean, you're taking a guy out of that, out of that you know, coaching staff, someone that's Technically, the number one recruiter for 24-7 sports. I mean, you would think the next guy could step in, but I have a hunch you feel the other way. Yeah, yes and no. You know, it's pretty interesting. I, obviously, I grew up in Louisiana. I went to LSU, and the, the reason I bring this up is because I've had a lot of people talk about what is LSU going to do this offseason in the defensive back room, and it kind of came to my mind. I texted you this this morning, Drew, to find the combination of a defensive back coach that can develop his players at the position but can also recruit top-end talent is very difficult to find. I think Fran Brown is one of those unique guys that offers you both. We just saw what happened to Corey Raymond at Florida. That was a guy that was known for his prestige and bringing in top-end talent in both LSU and Florida. He's out of there after two years. So it is very difficult, and I do think this is a blow. Do I think Georgia is going to be okay? Do I think they're going to find the next guy, maybe the next Fran Brown? Absolutely. I think Kirby Smart has proven time and time again that he is up for that task. 
but this is very difficult. He's done a really good job there. Julian Humphrey, Keely Ringo, some of those names that you, you mentioned, you go back, he might not have uh, been at the forefront of that recruitment for Ringo, but certainly around with those type of guys. That is a very talented backfield. You combine that with a guy who's been around the block like Will Muschamp, who's working with the safeties. I think it kind of gives you the right combination there. But it, it's not nothing for Georgia, um, and, and that's the way that I would put it. And for Syracuse, Good for you. I have no idea whether it's going to work out or not, but I can always get behind a young, dynamic hire and a guy who's spent some times around a lot of different places and, and is familiar with that part of the country, but has also dipped his toes into the level of the SEC and knows what it looks like. So Fran Brown, Syracuse, it could happen here today. We'll see what happens there. We'll keep an eye on that. And for everything recruiting, talent acquisition, transfer portal, you can find that right here on 24-7 Sports. And the Oyster Boys, where else to look? Andrew Ivins, Cooper Patagna. We are your guys for the next three to four weeks. We will be your guide on this wonderful trip that is college football recruiting. Guys, stay tuned. Keep it locked to 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. We'll be back tomorrow for Andrew Ivins. I'm Cooper Patagna. See you tomorrow. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!